You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Arkansas and LSU play each other this weekend. We know it's the battle for the Golden Boot, as you heard from Sam Pittman saying, hey, it's a trophy. And uh, Arkansas has not had the trophy since 2015. They're hoping they can go down to Baton Rouge and play a little upset, even though Arkansas is favored. I don't know really if it's an upset or not. It's going to be a good game regardless of what happens. And we're going to get more of the LSU perspective as we go to the phone lines right now as we are joined by Matt Moscona, who is the host of After Further Review on ESPN 104.5. Matt, appreciate you joining us this afternoon, dude. How you doing? I'm good, John. Good to chat, man. By the way, y'all can have the trophy. I'm not necessarily <laughs> one dark so to win, but you can take it. Hey, take wi- the trophy. Yeah, hey, listen, I know that uh, it, it, the win matters, but I guess if the trophy represents it, that they'll take it all day long. But, you know, I know we've <laughs> talked about it. It's just so funny to me how it, it is the trophy that's there. It is the golden boot. It's to- It's called that, but... Uh, you know, we've seen teams just leave the trophy out on the field as they're walking <laughs> off. It just doesn't seem like, hey, it's another SEC West game that just happens to have a trophy with it. That's what it looks like. It's that's certainly been the feeling here. I know. I know mean, some look. You know, one of the guy who works with us here, T. Bob Abair, played for LSU. He loves it. I mean, he thinks the trophy itself is phenomenal. I, most most fans though think the trophy itself is gaudy. And I know you and I have had the conversation over the years about just the. The legitimacy of the rivalry. It, it here it definitely just it's another SEC West game. But honestly, John, like LSU's got to get this one, man, because realistically, if they want to have a chance to get to 500 and get to a bowl, um, man, how expectations have fallen. Uh, they got to get this one because I don't think it's realistic that they're going to get A and M in that last week. So yeah, LSU's got to play well and got to find a way to get this win on Saturday. Well, Matt, let's just start there with what's the current situation because we know Ed Orgeron's not going to be the coach next year. We know there's a search going on. We know that LSU's sitting at 4-5 and five and had a good game against Bama, only lost by six points there on the road. Just What do you make of this current situation with the LSU football program? Uh, well, I mean, honestly, John, I mean, ever since the announcement that Ed wasn't going to be back, the, the real legitimate emotion around the program is less about this season – and more about the coaching search. I mean, that's where people are, are investing their time and their effort and their energy and their, you know, their emotion. Um, this, the season's playing out. It certainly would have been nice to see LSU close against Bama because, boy, do they have a chance to win that game. And, you know, I'd, you never want to be a team that's just playing spoiler, but they certainly had an opportunity to do it uh, to Bama on Saturday and couldn't get it done. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing is if LSU does make a bowl game, Ed Ogeron is going to coach through the bowl. And I know LSU would like to have their new coach in place because of that December signing period. They'd like to have the new coach in place within a couple of days at the end of the regular season. So, I mean, imagine that really strange scenario where if LSU does, in fact, make a bowl game, you could have the new coach and the old coach in the football ops building at the same time. (laughs) Like, who decides who gets key card access? Like, who gets the offense? I, it would be it would be a very very bizarre situation if it played out that way. Yeah, that would be kind of awkward, and I think it'd probably be a funny storyline too. And you know, it, it's just with Ed Orgeron. We know just two years ago, LSU won a national championship. Looked like one of the best college football teams you'll ever see, especially offensively. And, and to see where it's at now, like I know there's probably a lot of answers you can have to this question, but where did it go wrong with Ed Orgeron? When did it go wrong with Ed Orgeron to where just two years removed from a national championship and he's no longer the coach? Well, I think the, 
the answer is is kind of obvious. That 2019 was just the great outlier. When you look at the full sample size of Ed Ogeron, he's just not a great head coach. He he hires poorly uh, as far as his, his assistants. He while he's a great recruiter, I don't think he's been a great uh, roster manager. Meaning there have been gaping holes. That the recruiting classes finish top five, all of them have, and they got a ton of talent, but not necessarily in the spots where they needed it. And then on top of that, man, you know, last summer was it was so volatile with all the, the racial injustice um, and marches and everything happening in our country. And you know, quite honestly, Ed Ogeron made some comments that, that alienated his locker room, and, and I don't know that he ever got it back, John. And when you do that, I don't know that you ever do get the locker room back. So when the season last year started to snowball on him and you compound all of the all of that angst and animosity, it, got, it just got very bad. And Ed was in a... You know, a, a do or die scenario this year where he had to win and he just he, he didn't do it. So um, I think Scott Woodward, the athletic director, looked at it and said, "You know, we we've we have a large enough sample here to know what Ed Ogeron is as a head coach, and it's just not good enough." So thank you for the lightning in a bottle season in 2019, but that's you know I don't think there's confidence that he could replicate it. We're speaking with Matt Moscona, the host of After Further Review on ESPN 104.5 Baton Rouge here on Out of Bounds. Uh, Matt, so obviously the coaching search, it's, you know, coach, plane tracking season, as we like to call it here in Arkansas. Yeah. But uh, listen, I have said this, and I know Razorback fans have always kind of, you know, flipped their nose at me, but I think LSU is a top two, top three college football coaching job in the country. Like, I, I would be hard-pressed to find many other jobs that one could consider much better than what LSU has right now. And we know what, what type of uh, success that they've had with three previous coaches winning national championships. So, as far as you and what you think LSU should do, or what are some realistic options, where does LSU go with this head coach next year? So, John, to your point also, I think there's an important distinction. Being a top two or three job does not mean you're a top two or three program throughout the history of college football. And that, that's probably the distinction. And you're right. LSU is easily a top five job, and you could make a case that it's one of the two best jobs along with Ohio State because of the fertile recruiting ground, and that you're the only power five in the state. I mean, LSU does not have to fight anybody else in state for the best players in a talent-rich state that per capita puts more guys in the NFL per capita than any other state. And then you have the money and the resources and everything that LSU has and the SEC tie-in. Yes, I mean, it's, it, it is, I mean, you could argue the top five jobs in America, put them in a bag, shake them up, and you throw them out in whatever order, and you could make that case, but there is a case to be made for LSU as far as the resources, which is why each of the last three coaches have been able to win a national title. You know, what direction they go, I, listen, I don't like to guess on these things, John. I'll just tell you what I, what I, I know and what I believe to be good information. And Scott Woodward, who's LSU's AD, he's a Baton Rouge guy, went to LSU. Um, he left Texas A&M to come to Baton Rouge to come home. And he hired Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, and those two are very close. And Scott Woodward is also very close with Jimmy Sexton. And uh, until they put somebody else on the podium and introduce them as the new head coach at LSU, you had better believe Jimbo Fisher is in the mix. And I do believe that he is the number one target. And if they cannot close a deal with Jimbo, then I think Mel Tucker at Michigan State is very likely the guy. You hear some other names, um, there, there's these rumblings now about Lincoln Riley. I, I don't believe that that's reasonable. Um, 
far down the list, you might hear you know, Billy Napier, who's who's turned down three SEC jobs already, and I know he would take it. I know for a fact he would take the job that's offered. Um, but I, I don't even think it gets that far. I think if at this point, you know, there could always be changes, but if they can't finish a deal with Jimbo, I, I think Mel Tucker's going to be the guy. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Yeah, personally, I kind of hope that happens because any way to screw Texas A&M, I'm all for it, even if it's sacrificing, <laughs> uh, sacrificing and going into LSU. Because honestly, though, Matt, like if Jimbo Fisher went to LSU, you know, I, I never want to put expectations on anybody because I know it's always tough to win in this league, especially, but. You talk about a phenomenal coach who's won everywhere he's been, mixed in with a program that, as all the reasons you mentioned, can win at a high level. That could awaken a beast down there in Baton Rouge like many people have not seen before, and that could be extremely, extremely fun for LSU fans if they were able to pull off Jimbo Fisher. You know what's so interesting, though, John? There is a segment of this fan base that that kind of recoils when you mention Jimbo. And I'm going to tell you there, and I'm with you, by the way, I I mean – for a guy that that's you know put four quarterbacks in the first round and won a national championship and had a Heisman winner and you know in his eight seasons at Florida State he had he had six double digit win seasons and, and another one that was a nine win season. Look at what he's done at A and M. You know, breathing life into that program, making them a, a national contender. I, I agree with you. Um, but there's some fans here that for whatever reason they they don't like the idea of Jimbo and maybe it, it stems from you know look LSU had a deal in principle with Jimbo back in 2015 and Jimmy Sexton maybe didn't, didn't play nice, but as they say, all, you know, um, well, I was gonna say all fair in love and war, but I guess in business too, but, um, uh, man, I, you know, I think there's some people who were so off put by how it all transpired in 2015 when that deal fell apart, that a lot of LSU people didn't, they never wanted to walk down that aisle again with Jimbo, but, here we are, man, for the fourth time, LSU and, and Jimbo are sort of courting each other. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And I think that the connection, of course, with Scott Woodward, like you said, was uh, would be pretty good. And just from what I've seen from him, too, even at his time at A&M, it seems like he, he does a great job of hiring big-time coaches. And I, I mean, you know, thinking about, like, Kim Mulkey, for instance. Like, you know, a lot of yeah, people forget about – yeah, a lot of people forget about that. I was like, that was, that was incredible. So it just Look, seems he, like – He was at, he was at Washington – and and he's the guy that got Chris Peterson away from Boise. Yeah. When he, I mean, Chris Peterson turned down USC. I mean, Chris Peterson turned down everybody. And then Scott Woodward got into Washington. And of course, Jimbo got Buzz Williams away from Virginia Tech at A and M. Got here, hired Kim Mulkey, just hired Jay Johnson, the baseball coach who you know, had been to a College World Series a couple times in Arizona, including a championship series. And that's that's his mo, man. He Scott Scott swings not just for the fences. He swings for the upper deck. So. Yeah. Well, let's see. And, and I was just going to ask, is like, what is it about him though? Because I feel like it's it's easier said than done. Where it's like, oh well, you know, just go hire this person. But what is it about Scott Woodward that makes him such a guy where not just coaches in football, but coaches in any sport want to come work for? Because he understands what it takes to win, and he's willing to commit the resources to do it. And he's politically connected enough to get funded whatever he needs funded. I mean, look, LSU just paid Ed Ogeron a $17 million buyout. I mean, that's not coming from taxpayer dollars. That's Scott Woodward knowing the phone calls to make to, to, to gather, it sounds so ridiculous, to gather together $17 million for Ed and then almost another $10 million for his staff. LSU's going to pay a $26 million buyout money. 
you know, that's that's a guy that that's really good at spending other people's money. You know, convincing those people why this is necessary for for that athletic department to be what they all dream it can be. So he's he's politically connected. He is smart. He is savvy. He is very persuasive, and he knows how to get things done for his coaches, giving them the resources they need to win at the highest level. And and coaches believe him. Well, Matt, uh, obviously with LSU, they got three games left this season. You, you have Arkansas at home, ULM at home, and then, of course, finishing the season against Texas A&M at home. It just, like, I feel like LSU has been such a difficult team, obviously with the stuff with Ed Orgeron going on, but it's like some weeks they look really good and they put it all together, and then some weeks they just don't don't really even look competitive. What do you expect to see out of Ed Orgeron's LSU team this weekend coming off of that tough loss against Alabama this past Saturday? Yeah, man, they've always under Ed. He, one thing he has done a good job with, John, he's done a really good job week to week not letting a loss one week impact the team the next. You, you don't see that like emotional slide where they just crumble. So he's done a really good job of that. So I think you know, emotionally, else would be fine. I mean, John, I don't know how many fans are going to be in the stands, man. I mean, you know, for a four and five football team, I, I maybe sixty five, seventy thousand fans. So I don't know that the atmosphere will be great. But something else to keep in mind: Ozron did announce yesterday both of LSU's starting offensive guards are going to miss this game. So they're going to have two new offense, two like redshirt for or one true freshman, one redshirt freshman uh, offensive lineman starting at the guards. Um, so that's definitely something worth watching. Like if LSU's going to win this game, they're going to have to find a way to run the football. You're probably also going to see Garrett Nussmeyer, the freshman quarterback. They're, Ed's pretty committed to playing Max Johnson and Garrett this week. So he's got that whole, you know, you know, people say he's a gunslinger. He's kind of got that, you know, sort of athletically arrogant. He'll run around and make some plays. He'll try to throw it to the wrong jersey a couple times. Um <laughs> It's going to be interesting to watch this LSU team because I'm not really sure what to expect with both quarterbacks playing. You got a couple of starters missing on the offensive line, and got eight starters missing on defense. I mean, they're they're talented. They're really thin on numbers, and you might see two quarterbacks. So uh, throw it out there, tee it up, and let's see how it rolls, man. But it, it's uh, I understand why this game is a virtual toss-up. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for us to gauge here in Arkansas, too, because with Sam Pittman this year, you know, Arkansas sitting at 6-3, and three, which, comparatively speaking, you talk about from two years ago for LSU, from two years ago with Arkansas, <laughs> it, it yeah. is like night and day. And, you know, a lot of Razorback fans are hoping this will finally be the time that they can bring that golden boot home because they haven't won it since 2015. But uh, just what do you make of Sam Pittman and the Razorbacks, especially in year two, where – Hey, they may not be the most talented. They may not be playing the best games or most disciplined. But, hey, they're still a team that's competing in this SEC West. Dude, I mean, what was the SEC losing streak that Arkansas had? 21? 21 games, yeah. Brother, you lose that many. Like, over, you basically don't win an SEC game for three years, and you're sitting there at 6-3 and three in November. Bro, do backflips. Are you kidding me? Like, the job he's done – and not only making the program respectable, but like beating an A and M. And I understand the circumstance, man. Like A and M, you know, their starting quarterback couldn't complete a forward pass at that point in the season. And I mean, I know Texas 
Obviously, it turns out not to be very good. I mean, Arkansas was a breath away from beating Ole Miss. I love the decision to go for it on, on the two-point conversion. It just didn't work out. Flip side of it is if, if Mississippi State had a kicker, you know, mm-hmm. State would have won the game last week. But they didn't. So, man, you just never apologize for wins in the SEC. Man, it's so hard to win in this league. So, you're sitting there at 6-3 and three in November. You just tip your cap to Sam Pittman for, for taking, a, taking a job that was, man, program that – they fell on really hard times and has turned them very quickly into a winner. I, I, my biggest question with Sam, John, is going to be, what's the ceiling? Like, is he, you know, can he break through and be a New Year's Six guy like Petrino, get in Arkansas to a Sugar Bowl? Like, can it, can it get to that level, or, or is that sort of eight nine plateau where where he settles? I think that's really going to depend on how he recruits, but. Um, but he's interesting, man. Kind of like Ozeron, where he's got to hire good coordinators. He's got two great ones right now with, with Odom and Bryles. So I guess maybe the real telltale will be what happens when, the, like, when inevitably those two guys leave. How does he do replacing them? You know, that's probably going to be the MO. That's what that's one thing that killed Ozeron. He just struggled to to make assistant hires. So, but he's he's certainly made Arkansas respectable and and a, and a, and a tough out for everybody in this league. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. And I know that, uh, you know, we talked a lot about Arkansas LSU and all that, but I'll ask you this, too, because we were discussing this whole thing. Is I know you do talk about the Saints down there in Baton Rouge and everything and seeing how Odell Beckham Jr. is a guy that maybe is looking at the Saints, maybe returning home and all that. Uh, what do you make of his circumstance and uh, the realistic uh, expectation that he could possibly return to the state of Louisiana and play for the Saints? So are Arkansas – do do our what do we say? Our Kansans? What do our people Kansans, from yeah, There you go. Okay, so do our Kansans have an NFL team like an allegiance? <laughs> uh, probably mostly Cowboys, Cowboys fans. Dallas, Jerry Jones, yeah. Dallas, all that. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. South, okay, South I don't know Arkansas if, like, though, you'll probably catch quite a bit of Saints fans. Yeah, I'd say South Arkansas, yeah. Southeast. It's weird because like North Louisiana, you got a lot of Cowboys fans on like Shreveport yeah. and stuff as well. But anyway, you yeah, know that makes sense to Jerry Jones. I didn't know if like if there were Saints fans up there, but. Oh, yeah. I mean, they got a good chance to get yeah. Odell. I mean, it really comes down like Od- Odell's got more money than God. I, I don't think he he's going somewhere that that can pay him the most money for the next ten weeks. I think he wants two things: he wants to be able to win, and he wants targets. Well, the Saints can certainly give him targets because they have a dearth at receiver, I and mean, they're terrible at that spot. So he steps in, and he is immediately the guy they'll push ten targets a game to. Um, and so he will he will get his stats, and he will get involved in the offense. And Sean Payton's a brilliant play caller. Um, you know the and the Saints are five and three right now. I mean, it they could very well be a playoff team, but I, realistically, does he want to come catch passes from Trevor Simeon? I mm. I don't know. I mean, I know if if he were to pick the Saints, man, he was from New Orleans with the Newman, where where the Mannings went, and uh, boy, he would be he would be embraced and beloved. And maybe he needs a little bit of that in his life right now. So I I'd, I'd love to see it, but I, we'll all have to guess wait until it looks like after this, the game this Sunday to see. Well, Matt, man, we really appreciate you hopping on with us, man. I know Arkansas and LSU doesn't have the same sizzle that maybe it has in previous times, but still should be a great game and a great matchup. And enjoy the uh, plane tracking season, man. It's always great for Sports Talk Radio. (laughs) All right, man. We'll see you. All right. Appreciate it. Again, that was Matt Moscona, the host of After Further Review on ESPN 104.5 in Baton Rouge. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 